Star Wars Action News is brought to you in part by Brian's Toys. At Brian'sToys.com, you can find Star Wars toys and collectibles from 1977 to the present. Brian's Toys has it all, from vintage toys and action figures right up to the latest releases. And when checking out, be sure to say you were referred to Brian's Toys by Star Wars Action News. So go check out the world's largest selection of Star Wars toys at Brian'sToys.com. Listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. And I'm Arnie. And we have a big show for you this week coming up this episode. We've got a report from Steve the Ginger Prince. We've got Darth Cheddar joining us to talk X-Wing minis. Basically, we've got a lot of stuff that we meant to talk about two weeks ago, but I don't know, a little something came up. Episode 7. Disney buying Star Wars. That kind of stuff happens. Well, they bought Lucasfilm, yeah. not just Star Wars, although they only care about the Star Wars part. Yeah, I don't think anybody's clamoring for more indie movies after that last one. Actually, there are people clamoring for them, perhaps as a make good on that last yeah. one. Yeah. Speaking of Episode 7, I have really just stopped clicking on anything about Episode 7 news, about rumors. They're just out there so crazy. Damon Lindelof is directing, and this person's attached, and that person's attached, and Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford are all coming back. Wow, it's like 1996 all over again, and I just... There is so much misinformation out there from quote-unquote industry insiders that when the actual writer of Episode 7 was announced, I didn't believe it. Yeah, I didn't either, but it was on StarWars.com, and unless they got hacked, I'd like to think it was true. <laughs> no, it was definitely true. And it's kind of out of left field. It's certainly not a name people would make up because it's a name most people don't know. Michael Arndt. He's not what? Arndt what? Arndt. <laughs> is the... Writer for Episode 7, he will be working with Lucas on this. Most people probably know him from Toy Story 3. He rose to fame as the writer of Little Miss Sunshine, which was a great little indie film. Very funny. Yeah, I cannot hear Super Freak the same way anymore at all. He's also working on the upcoming Hunger Games film Catching Fire. And looking at his IMDb history, it turns out that, yes, you can make it in Hollywood by kissing ass and saying, I have a screenplay, because in 1997 to 1999, he was assistant to Mr. Broderick on Addicted to Love and Inspector Gadget. Well, there you go. He's a good personal assistant then. I have a feeling it's one of those Hollywood stories of breaking in however you can, getting whatever job you can, or he's a longtime friend of Matthew Broderick. I don't know really which one, but probably one of those waiters with a screenplay, and it ended up being Little Miss Sunshine, a Sundance darling that was picked up by Fox Searchlight, but... He's definitely in the Disney family. I mean, Toy Story 3, Pixar, owned by Disney. He's working on another Pixar movie, according to IMDb. 
But while he doesn't have a ton of titles under his belt, it is somebody who's acclaimed and seems to have talent. And that's what I was always hoping is that they'd bring in people with talent and vision and he can do sentimental and funny. So I have a feeling that he wouldn't write lines like, I don't like sand. The prequels are full of a lot of stinkers. Are you an angel? Yeah. And anything that ends in Yuza. Hey, Jar Jar was a valid part of the prequels. And he's there whether you like it or not. No one's, like, championing for Newt Gunray or Watt Tambor. I mean, come on. Jar Jar's lasted the test of time. Well, truthfully, I'm glad, again, to see a good writer coming in. I remember after episode one that there was a big rumor online that Carrie Fisher, Hollywood screenwriter and known script doctor, was going to come in to help Lucas punch up his dialogue. Sadly, these rumors weren't true, but I remember that rumor. We saw Carrie Fisher last week. We did. We went to the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival, where she gave the keynote address and basically sat on stage and puffed an e-cigarette, joked that she was going to get e-cancer, had to field some awkward questions from Star Wars fans. The first question out of the gate was... Not a question. No, it was a, a, an awkward gentleman who just stood up and professed his love for Star Wars and was really perplexed why the 501st would not let him in as Obi-Wan. I think that sums it up all right there. Well, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about the 501st a decade ago either, and I kind of feel bad for the guy. I think there was something wrong with him, but they should have pre-screened questions. Oh, yeah, there are a lot of awkward <laughs> questions, and I felt really bad for her because she started off talking about the Star Wars people and how they were waiting at the airport for her, and then they're at her hotel, and I just felt kind of bad that I'm sitting here kind of like, oh, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm here because of Star Wars. and She's entertaining, too, but I'm glad that I didn't ask a Star Wars question. I didn't ask a question, and I'm glad that... It wasn't too heavy on the Star Wars questions because it kind of embarrassed me. Well, she created the atmosphere where it would be embarrassing when she talked about the Star Wars people. It was yeah. a little hostile. Exactly. What she did say, and I find this very interesting, is she's undergone electroshock therapy. And she was mentioning this to a person getting their book autographed. She can't remember anything. Her short-term memory does not translate into long-term memory anymore. She'll be watching a movie and somebody will come in and said, you just watched that movie last week and she will have no memory of having watched the movie. So she said people were waiting for her at the airport. Was it this airport? <laughs> Was it on this trip? Honestly, I don't think she knows. <laughs> but she's very open about her mental illness and bipolar, or now they call it manic depressive. Yeah. And or no, vice versa, I guess. She was promoting her book, Shockaholic. She did talk very briefly about the upcoming Star Wars films, that she'd known about them. I don't think we learned anything new, necessarily. Mm -hmm. She seemed a little bit mixed in her reaction to it, partially thinking that this Princess Leia thing will never, ever die down for her, but partially thinking it makes sense to keep it alive as well. So it was a good show, though. I really enjoyed seeing her and got an autograph without having to pay exorbitant fees. I know. That was the best part. We just paid to go to the keynote address, which was a charitable organization anyway, the St. Louis Jewish Book Festival. It's a thing they put on every year. So we had to pay for our ticket there, but the autograph was free. That's kind of cool. I didn't have to pay anybody for it. I did have to wait in a little bit of a line. But nothing compared to a celebration line. This was like the bathroom line at celebration. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. These women that were volunteers at this book festival, they were like on it. 
they were patrolling up and down the line, making sure everybody had their book, had a post-it note with your name, had was on the page you wanted it signed. If you didn't know where you wanted it signed, they were telling you where to get it signed. They were on it, up and down that line. And having gotten Carrie Fisher's autographs a couple times before, she was much more pleasant autographing a book than she was autographing, say, a picture of her in a gold bikini or a visual dictionary. She was much happier signing her own written work. Yes. But on to some Star Wars collecting news beyond just autograph collecting. There have been some really odd finds in stores lately. The first is probably at Five Below. This is a really junky shop. It's like the dollar store, but inflation hit it, so now everything's $5 or below. It's a cross between Dollar Tree and, like, TJ Maxx, because they do have some nicer stuff. They have a electronics section of crappy computer mice and iPad covers and things like that. Nothing over $5. And I try to avoid this store. They usually have fighter pods, but they actually charge more for the fighter pods than most retail places. Just because everything's $5 or below doesn't mean it's a bargain if it's below $5 usually. But I read a report on Jedi Temple Archives that made me scratch my head. And that was that they were getting vintage figures. That doesn't make me scratch my head. They are, again, like TJ Maxx, get these closeouts. With the vintage collection, one of the biggest problems has been the yellowing of helmets and heads and just mismatched colors and decos on the different plastics and rubbers involved. They reported that Hasbro was opening figures of the 212th Battalion Clone Trooper, replacing the helmets with white ones, taping them shut, and then selling them at five below. And these helmets that they're doing have better deco and... Just all kinds of improvements on the helmets. And Hasbro had repeatedly said that they would not do that. There's been all those rumors that, like, figures that show up in battle packs that were previously peg warmers, they'd recall the figures off the pegs, open them up, put them in battle packs, and ship them out as a way to sell them again. And Hasbro repeatedly said that that is not cost-effective. It would cost more to do that than it would to just have China make more of them and then put them in the battle packs the first time. Well, yeah, because they'd have to get them all from the stores. The stores probably wouldn't like pulling one item from a group skew. Then they have to get them back, which I'm sure the stores were not going to pay the shipping for that. Have labor in the States or send it to a foreign country to have them do it. So I'm really confused as to why they would even do this if they did this. Well... We hit a five below. Now, I've hit a couple of them, actually, and did have some good Star Wars finds there. They have little tin banks for $3 that are all original trilogy. There's three of them, so it fits with Star Wars. They also had those kooky pens. They're kooky. They had the Clone Wars set, as well as a really artistic set of original trilogy ones. Picked all those up. And they did have a bunch of vintage figures. If you're looking to troop build, this is a good time to get vintage figures at a good price. But only one of the two I hit had this clone trooper. He had two of them. And yes, both were scotch taped and both had different helmets. And I looked at all of the other figures they had there, the Weequay and the Lando and the other clones. None had this tape. So I don't think they're recalling figures necessarily from stores, but maybe... In China, you know, sometimes the factories are sending things that aren't up to the standards of the prototypes. They might have said, this helmet's bad. Maybe the Chinese, before they ever shipped them up or cased them, is doing the replacement. I have contacted Hasbro for a comment. They said they're looking into it. So we'll report back if we ever get anything more definitive than that. Well, it's odd that they're only showing up at five below like this. 
Well, it's a closeout situation, yeah. kind of like the TJ Maxx figures that never made it to stores but were produced. They need to sell them somehow, so they're closing out to five below. But what I'm saying is there's never ever in my history of buying Star Wars toys have we ever seen this either. No. I mean, that's the thing that's kind of odd is when you go to like TJ Maxx and the figures that we never saw and they're still not selling, never seen a taped figure unless somebody's tampered with the package, which has happened with people trading figures out. And this is being seen across the country. Yeah. And on 100% of that clone we found, it was in one store, but 100% of them had identical cuts and tapes. And I mean, running changes are nothing new. Running changes after the figure's been carded, though, is a bit odd. It is. I just, I don't know what to think of it. I mean, the closest I can even come to is thinking about times where they do packaging problems and they put stickers on the package to cover over, like when they had the pipe with Dexter Jetster, and they just put a big blue sticker over it to take away the pipe. Exactly. But... Five Below is not a nationwide chain. If you have one and you want this clone, it's definitely worth hitting up. This clone, though, I think, is the figure that's selling fastest because it is the only one that is new. So even people who had bought cases of the figures or in the one of every figure club, like we did, need this figure. So it's probably, if you go to eBay, not Five or Below. <laughs> not Five or Below. <laughs> Another retailer exclusive of a hard-to-find item, that Mandalorian troop transport. That has been the bane of many collectors' existence, thanks to a listener in Canada who helped me out. I was able to get one a while back. Hasbro knew this was a problem. They said they were going to try to find a way to get them to the States, but then they changed their vehicles because the mid-sized vehicles were too expensive. They're going to the micro-sized $20 vehicles, so they don't have the shelf space to bring back the Mandalorian Transport. Well, they found a way, and it's a way that harkens back to 2003 for me when they had trouble getting the realistically styled Tartakovsky Clone Wars figures to retail, and they ended up doing two packs at Walmart where you could get a clone plus another figure. Well, this Mandalorian Troop Transport is packaged with Anakin Skywalker's Jedi Starfighter in a two-pack at Toys R Us. Now, this is a assortment they have of two vehicles shrink-wrapped together for $40. It's a holiday special item. It is in their Black Friday sale as being half off, but some of those hard-to-find vehicles... Now you can get there. We ended up getting two packs. We got one with the Mandalorian Transport, so that way I don't have to feel so weird about do I ever open my Canadian one, and then one with the clone's gun platform, because I hadn't seen that too often, and I really liked that from the Clone Wars movie. Coming out of the Clone Wars movie, the three things I thought were, what a disappointment, zero the hot rocked, and I need Hasbro to make that giant gun. Now, this is also up at ToysRUs.com. It went up Saturday night. There are still in stock as of this recording. Who knows if they will be or not tomorrow when this show is released. But I texted several of my friends and posted it on Facebook because several people had gone out on the hunt looking for these to help others out, including myself. And I'm like, you want it cost plus shipping? Here it is, cost plus shipping at ToysRUs.com. Go get it. And... If you're one of those people who's like, well, it's going to be half off at 8 p.m. on Thanksgiving, because that's now Black Friday is blacker Thursday night. I think it's a different color. I don't know what we'd make it. Is it gray Thursday? Because it's not quite black. I don't know. However, everyone has an excuse to leave early <laughs> from the family dinner now. <laughs> and we'll be seeing lots of drunk people at... 
Toys R Us and Walmart who are still intoxicated from the Thanksgiving festivities. Yes. So if the tramplings of previous years were nothing yet, now we get drunk tramplings. But you don't have an excuse if you want this vehicle. I say don't wait on the sidelines and go, well, maybe I can get this very hard-to-find vehicle I've been longing for for six months at half off. No. Don't be that guy. I wouldn't wait. Not to say you won't find it for half off, but... Our Toys R Us last year on some of their sale items, they did not bring out stock that day. It was stuff they had. Since they're putting these out right now, odds are these Mandalorian troop transports, they're the ones that are selling first. They're not all that heavily packed, although Galactic Hunter found like six at once somehow. But my store got one in of the entire case assortment, and it sold before I got there. Other stores we've only found one at. So I wouldn't sit around if you want this vehicle. If you only want the vehicle and you're going to pay $10 for it or 20 for two vehicles, then you can take that gamble. But if you see it, I would say buy it. And if you don't want Anakin Starfighter, I want to remind you all the Toys for Tots donation bin. Exactly. That's a great thing to do since they packed one you want with one you probably don't. I'm actually going to, on Thanksgiving night, Brave Toys R Us, see if they put out any more of these. And no matter what, I'm going to buy four vehicles for Toys for Tots at the $20 price, assuming they have any left mm-hmm. when I get to, through the crowds to the aisle. And speaking of vehicles at Toys R Us, when I was at Toys R Us looking for the Mandalorian ship, there it was. It was big. It was pretty. It was too expensive. It was the Millennium Falcon in the vintage box. <laughs> yeah, that's a little pricey. I've never looked at a Hasbro collectible and just said, I I'm not going to pay that much for it before this Falcon. And it's not that 250 is outside of the price range for something like the Sail Barge. I would groan about it being 250 But you'd buy it. But I'd buy it. But if this Millennium Falcon was brand new, if they hadn't just released it a few years ago, I would put down 250 for it. The part that stings is the fact that it is a repack and an exorbitantly overpriced repack now because of the vintage box. It's double the price. Yeah. It's partially because it's a Toys R Us exclusive. I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) That there's not a Black Friday sale on it. It felt like a Black Friday. I thought so, too. They did that with the MTT. They overpriced it $50 more than everybody else, but then gave you a $50 coupon. Yeah. So that it was the same price, but you felt like you were getting a bargain. Well, here's the thing. There's going to be a lot of sales, which, yeah, Black Friday is like the biggest sale there where there's a ton of sales. There's going to be a lot more sales coming up leading up to Christmas. And we've had a long Christmas season this year, I believe. And you're not going to find the Falcon. You don't think? Most stores are getting one case of two Falcons, and they're selling. Hmm. You only need two suckers to sell two Falcons. True. But I know a lot of people, and I'm not calling anyone who buys it a sucker. If that's your focus of collecting, is the vintage packaging. Because Mike at Galactic Hunter is a great guy, and that's his thing. Is He does the vintage mint-in-box vintage collection vehicles and toys, and that's not a sucker. The sucker's bet is if you're like me, and you'd be buying it just for the box, And then you're opening it and folding the box down somewhere, and now you've got a second BMF. If I were to buy it, I would be a sucker, because that's not the focus of my collection. But I don't think it's worth it. We went to the Toy Man Toy Show, and they had real vintage Falcons for far less than $250. They were open, but it came with a box. Yeah, so, I don't know. The box is pretty, but... The box is very pretty. It also is very big, and much like the vintage Adat from a couple years ago... If you're a mint-in-mint box collector, you got a problem. Because both of my Millennium Falcons in my store had puncture holes in them. <gasps> Ow! 
so that's another reason why you didn't buy it, huh? I wouldn't have bought it anyway. I really wouldn't have. But also, even if maybe my target employee was a goon and punctured them himself because he's clumsy, Jar Jar stock as the shelves, the corners, especially the bottom ones, all had those bends because of the weight of the item and just shipping being put on its side. The corners had curved up, which is going to make a lot of people unhappy. I'm sorry, for $250, you got to give me that thing in a star case. (laughs) (laughs) But I think they're shipping in such small numbers that if they have a sale, and Toys R Us very rarely does, you won't find the Falcon in your store. So you got to buy it now. Yeah. So what are you going to do? I'm going to skip it. I have a BMF. It's a box. It's not worth a premium format figure price for a box. I believe for that me. this is a monumental moment for you. Yeah, and I need to say for me, it's not worth it because I prefer to have a variety of collectibles. I do collect premium format figures. I do collect gentle giant stuff. And I got to look at where I can best put that $250. I also know that as I prepare Sithsonian 2.0... I'm really looking at space, and I don't want to have a lot of boxes out there. You got me a mint-in-box Droid Factory vintage, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to open it, because I just don't want to display toys in boxes unless maybe window boxes. To be honest, I almost bought you two. One open, one not open. However, it was really hard. I could not find an open one that was complete, so... And I will never apply the decals because those are perfect. I will wait and find some repro decals or something like that. I'm going to keep it nice, but I just don't want to do that because it does not fit my aesthetic or how I want to display. No judgment, but for me, if I were to get this box, I would do with it what I do with all my other boxed vehicles, which is take it out, fold the box down, and store it in a low-light, low-humidity place for the rest of my days. You can do whatever you want with the boxes. I don't care. I just bought you that because I knew you'd said you'd wanted it, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. You can open it. You can put the stickers all over your wall. I don't care. You <laughs> act like you're eight years old again. Also, speaking of Toys R Us exclusives, the speeder bikes are everywhere now that I have them. Oh, didn't I call that? Yeah. I believe I did. And also, they have there a lot of holiday items at Toys R Us. I bought you something. Yeah, when you were the one who actually found the Mandalorian transport on a trip out of town, and you also came back. With a Santa Yoda hat. I did. It's for children because it's kind of snug on my head. I don't have a large head, I don't think. I mean, if I do, someone tell me. But it's kind of snug. It fits. It's kind of cute. It's a Santa hat with big Yoda ears. And then it says Santa Yoda embroidered at the top. They also have put out their annual hot cocoa mugs, which have become quite a fun part of my collecting, especially since you get four mugs for $20. You don't feel like you're getting that much. Last year... They'd re-released the mugs from the year before, which had the Unleashed art from the Unleashed figures that was so cool. This year, they've gone a different way with it and gone with some more stock art. The box looks the same to me. It's that same noxious hot cocoa that I suggest replacing with a name brand. Yeah, it's generic hot cocoa. If it's other cocoa, I don't know where they're getting it from. I don't. Why can Marvel use Nestle, but the Star Wars can't? Let's hope next year, now that this Disney acquisition is occurring, that next year... Nestle is included with the... Yeah, because the Disney princesses have Nestle cocoa. And the Marvel characters have Nestle. Yeah. There's a Nestle Disney conspiracy, folks, and I'm hoping Star Wars gets in on that instead of these horrible, horrible candies and cocos. And also, Target restocked finally their pint glasses. I'd skipped those original trilogy pint glasses, hoping for a sale because Target always has a sale. 
And then I spent months looking for them again, even at full price. So when they had them, I picked those up. Target also has gotten in on the Christmas stuff. They put out a bunch of those Christmas ornaments. They've got a lot of heads this year. Yes, it's... I don't know how I feel. I'm not a big fan of these ornaments. I don't like the weird, shiny. And usually I love shiny things. If you, I think, is it the Fabergé yeah. kind of look? And if you know me, I love shiny things. But this just doesn't do anything for me. And there were a big skip. But new this year, they've got these like little flat shrinky-dink type ornaments. Well, they're not actually shrinky-dinks because if they were, I would have had them all. Because I love shrinky-dinks. But these are just like little flat, like printed ornaments. Pretty cheap. They... I guess you could put on your tree, but it'd probably be really cute, like, if you got a tree for your kid or something. They also put out a number of new Christmas stockings this year. Again, a assortment of Vader and Yoda stockings, some of which have plastic heads, some of which just have printing on them. The ones with the plastic head have new printing on them this year, if you're a completist for these stockings. Yoda looks really grumpy. He does! It looks like the kids just, like, were kicking the ball and ended up in their yard, and he's really mad about it, and he's gonna keep the ball. Out of my yard, you kids will be. Exactly. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to get the ding-dong ditch done to him if he doesn't cheer up. And there's also nutcrackers at Toys R Us. They had a Vader and a Stormtrooper. These were $19.99 apiece. And finally, if you remember last year, Marjorie, we went on this crazy hunt for hot cocoa goblets at Walmart. Yes. We found them again at Walmart, but this time... We only found two of the three. It was the Boba Fett that eventually one very, very helpful listener helped me get because we never saw it in person. And this year again, I saw Yoda and Vader, but no Boba. Okay, then that solves a question for me, a riddle I had, because Toys R Us, the one I went to up north, had these also, but they had a Chewbacca. Hmm. So it looks like I'm going to have to go to Toys R Us now. Sometimes these little tchotchkes that appear around holidays, they're repacked, and I can't remember what we bought and what we didn't and what was there, what's new, if anything's new. But I didn't think the Chewbacca was new. For some reason, it seems that he was out last year. No, Chewbacca's not new this year. We got him last year. Okay, good. Whew. I don't feel bad about leaving them on the shelf then. There's always that moment of, <gasps> what if I never see it again? What if it's actually something that we don't have? And then I have the worry of if we do have it, then I have to worry about returning it. It's probably going to sit in my car for six months and it's going to be part of the collection then. Yeah, it happens. Mm-hmm. It's better when it happens to a $9 item than a $250 item. Correct. Now, Toys R Us is having a coupon. They had it last week. The clerk was nice enough to give you one when you bought those vehicles because you didn't have it. Yes, I think it was her little bit of protest against the man because she goes, oh, hold on, honey, I got a coupon. I've been doing this for everyone all day long. And so she pulled this coupon out of her pocket and she's scanning it. She goes, here, you get a $10 gift card. I'm like, woohoo. <laughs> she made my day. And that's in the paper again this week. So It you're... probably will be through Christmas. So that takes the Falcon down to 240 <laughs> Doesn't even offset the sales tax. Well, you could save up your Toys R Us rewards dollars, but you'd have to use a whole bunch of them really quickly because they're only good for about 24 hours, it seems, when you get them in the mail. Yeah. That is the worst rewards program ever. Those coupons always expire before I find something I want there. There are some sales on Star Wars items this week, though. In addition to that coupon at Toys R Us, Walmart is having a rollback on Star Wars Legos. The TIE Fighter is 10 bucks down to $34.97, as is the Bounty Hunter Assault Gunship. The Pod Racers are down $10 to $70 from $80. And the Lego Star Wars Millennium Falcon is down $20 bucks from $120 to $100. I'm rounding my numbers. They all end in $97 at Walmart. <laughs> just subtract three pennies from all the numbers I just said. And there seems to be a big Lego push. 
This is a great time to head over to Toys R Us, especially if you have that $10 coupon, and get your Lego Advent Calendar. 25% off a number of Lego sets. This includes Star Wars Legos, the Y-Wing, 25% off, the Advent Calendar, 25% off, Malevolence, 25% off, some great sets. 25% off is amazing savings, and on some of these sets, you'll still get that $10 gift card after the 25% is marked down. Mm Mm-hmm. And Target's having a sale on board games, and they have the X-Wing minis game down to $30 from $40. That's another 25% off. And we're going to be talking more about that later on this show. But if you've been thinking about picking up that game, maybe $10 makes the difference on the price of entry for you. And finally, speaking of savings, one last store I hit was TJ Maxx. And they are stocking up for Christmas. They had a ton of toys. I went to a couple different TJ Maxx's, huge tables of last year's toys. If you're looking for Star Wars Transformers, if you're looking for some of the mini rig vehicles, specifically the speeder bikes, or the DVD two packs from Clone Wars that come with that one DVD, the Walmart exclusive, that's the place to go. Everything there's probably hovering around the $10 mark that I just listed. Some of the Transformers, maybe 12 or 13. They have the smaller Transformers. But the one thing that I think is of interest to most people, they have the B-Wing, the Kmart exclusive B-Wing for $16.99. If I didn't already have two, I certainly would have grabbed one. I did leave three on the shelves. And unlike most things at TJ Maxx, these were in great condition. If you are one of those mint and mint box vintage vehicle collectors, you could just very carefully peel off the TJ Maxx price tag and have a really good one at the store I went to in St. Louis. And that's the only bad thing is they do put the price tags on, and a lot of times their stuff is not treated with care. It's just shoved literally on a shelf with a million other toys. Last week we talked about the Yoda candy bowl holder that we had seen at Entertainment Earth. And there were several. There was yes. Yoda, Darth Vader, Darth Maul, and Boba Fett. And I was a little confused about these because Entertainment Earth had listed them as brand new products. We'd seen something very similar at Forbidden Planet last year. Thanks to a listener, we know these are the same ones as last year, except this year, new, probably because of episode 1 3D, is the Darth Maul. The other three are the ones from last year. And we went to a comic store in St. Louis, Star Clipper. It's a great store. It's way overpriced on everything from sideshow collectibles to just the basic comic books themselves. Absolutely. But it's a nice store full of atmosphere and snooty people who work there. And they had a big display of these candy bowls out. And they had the Yoda and the Vader. And they are really nice pieces for the price that you're paying. They're big. They're sturdy. They come in nice packaging. Yeah, we picked up the Vader and the Yoda. However, because Arnie's a packaging collector, they gave us the Darth Vader. And it was in this big cardboard box. We're like, okay, it's like a shipping box. But it had the sticker on the outside. But I thought inside the shipping box was then the nice box. No, so we got it to the car, and he goes, oh, wow, what if it's not in? And I said, we'll just check. So he checked, and it wasn't. And then we stood there for five minutes while he hemmed and hawed about whether the box means anything to him, because he keeps saying he's not a box collector. But apparently this box did mean something to him, because we walked the block back to the store and returned the Darth Vader. They did offer you $5 off, and they did look for the box just in case, but they think that's how it came. Yeah, I think it is too, actually. I think that because they were a store... They were sent that one as like a display item uh-huh. because it was the only one they had out of the box. Yeah. But I don't think it was perhaps intended for retail sale the way they did it. I didn't see any other Vaders though either. No, they were sold out of all the others already. They sold out very quickly, they said, in a week. They had four Yodas and then the display Vader. I 
did return the display vader, my thinking is, if I'm going to pay the same price or even within $5, I might as well have the box. Well, I'm sorry, but that Vader has been fondled. Yeah. That's the bad part. As you know, everybody that came in touched him. He's germy. So I did get the Yoda there to save a little bit on shipping, but I will head to Entertainment Earth to get the others. And speaking of online news, there have been a lot of online sales this week. You need to follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. There are links from the Star Wars Action News homepage at SWActionNews.com. Amazon.com had been getting in some of the final wave of figures again. Now, these are blink and you miss it. They had the Royal Guard in stock for $12.99, and I posted it on Facebook, and instantly people started saying, Hey, you're lying. It's $25. Well, what happens at Amazon is Mm -hmm. they sell out, and then the next available seller at the lowest price pops up there, and... By the time, you know, it would have been about a half an hour. After a half an hour, they'd sold out of those. They did have a lot more the realistic-styled Ahsoka. I've been getting mine in. Of course, these are openers. I would not buy from Amazon with the intent of it being mint-on-mint card. I ordered a ton of figures for them way back when these were pre-orders. A lot of openers have gotten two different Royal Guards, two of the EU clones, and some come really nice. Because the fates smiled upon them, not because they were packaged well. And others come pretty much bent in half. And I know some people are going back to Amazon and getting replacements. And your mileage may vary because if they're sold out of the item and they have to go to a seller, they're not going to do a replacement. They'll just give you a refund. Mm -hmm. Because I got them mint already. These were openers for me. So I opened them up and punched, unpunched, bent, creased. As long as the figure was there, I was happy. Also online this week, Sideshow put up for pre-order their legendary scale Darth Maul bust. And when they started with the legendary scale busts, and I think Sideshow's like this on a lot of things, their first efforts out of the gate are great ideas, but not great execution. Their first legendary scale bust was that Obi-Wan, and it looked like he'd had a laser fired through him (laughs) with the swoosh over in, like, he was missing part of his body. It's like he'd been cut. There's a scene in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 where Freddy has a laser fired through him. But because he's Freddy, he's unstoppable. And he just looks down and there's a big hole in his stomach. And then he waves his hands and it's healed. That's what Obi-Wan looks like. It's like he's going to look down. There's a big gaping hole in him. And so I'm like, eh, it's awkward. It's a weird price. But I've really come to like these legendary skill buffs because they offer incredible detail at a good size, and they've gotten much better with the base. With this Darth Maul, basically, it's a robe with a head in it. But the robe flows in such a way that it actually tapers nicely with the base. And Sideshow is always great with their exacting detail. I love the red and the blacks that they use on that face. It is just tremendous paint. It is good, but some reason the face looks off, and it might just be the way they took the photos of the shadows and everything, but the cheeks look funny, and I think it's just shadows to me. I think it is because the face goes back into the mask. Yeah. It is hood up, so that makes it a little harder to see. He looks very menacing, too. Yeah, I love the detail they put on the eyes. I'm just... The color of red they used, it is just absolutely movie perfect. Because a lot of times with Darth Maul collectibles, the red can be Christmas red. Or the red can be maroon. You know, this one, they just got so right. And all the lines in the face. And the thing about the legendary scale busts, for me, I've never gotten into their life-size busts because of the price. The legendary scale busts, you're able to get at a much more affordable price. And also, if space is at a premium, as it is with me as well, you're able to put these in a good 
space and they're sizable without being dominating. They remind me a lot in scale of like my father had busts growing up of Beethoven and Bach and Tchaikovsky. And they're similar in style to that in my estimation. So that's available right now at Sideshow's site or from Star Wars Action News sponsor Brian's Toys has it up for pre-order. And they have a lot of great things this week. Do you remember the Clone World Tour? Yes, I do. From Gentle Giant. Are they doing that again? No, but right now at Brian's Toys, you can just buy all five clones and have it over with. This is Bly, Cody, Green, Neo, and Bakara, guaranteed in C9 condition. And I remember those going for many hundred dollars a piece back when those were brand new. They also have their Jocasta new figure that is on pre-order. It is expected to ship early next year. They've restocked their vintage vehicles and play sets. If you want an AFA-graded vintage Imperial Shuttle, Brian's Toys is your place. And what I think is a great bargain, the Gentle Giant Darth Malgus statue. Brian's Toys has it for $39.99. Wow. And remember when checking out at Brian's Toys, please be sure to mention that you heard about them from Star Wars Action News. Now, next up, we have a report from Steve the Ginger Prince, who sadly has been bumped like Lindsay Buckingham from the past few shows. Here to tell us what's going on a couple weeks ago in the UK. Greetings, this is Steve, the Ginger Prince, UK reporter for Star Wars Action News, and I'd like to start with an apology. It's been too long since I've checked in, and I'm sorry for neglecting your ears. Straight after we got back from our visit to the States for C6, I was back to work and the start of a new school year is a hectic time. Couple that with Suzanne's 40th birthday celebrations and a spell of being unwell, and it's been busy to say the least. But I've still found time for Star Wars, and I'd like to share with you my experiences from a couple of days out that we've enjoyed since you last heard from me. On Sunday the 23rd of September, the lovely Suzanne and I took a short drive down to Wrexham for Wales Comic Con. This is a yearly event organised by Jamie and the team at Mercury Promotions that we've been to a number of times before, albeit when it was called North Wales Film and Comic Con, and we were excited to be attending this one-day spectacular yet again. On arriving at Glendower University, which was once again the venue for the show, we were gobsmacked. We got there about half an hour after it opened to allow the queue to go down, so we didn't have a wait. But we were faced with a gargantuan line that looped past the building it was being held in, through the university complex and out onto a road. We queued for roughly an hour to get in, and as we did, the line grew and grew behind us. It was already clear that there were more people than the venue could hold. The buzz in the queue indicated that the reason for the surge in interest in the con could be explained by the fact that half the cast of Game of Thrones were in attendance, along with some very likeable British television actors from series like Red Dwarf and Only Fools and Horses. One thing that helped pass the time was getting a chance to glimpse Kit, parked casually outside the con building. It's not every day you see the Night Industries 2000 car. Stay on target, Michael. Our wait to get in was not helped by a woman inside the con collapsing and requiring medical attention that blocked the entrance, but once we were finally inside we got down to the business of shopping. There were more vendors than the last time we attended the con, 
and that plus the high attendance made picking your way through the crowds a bit of a hazardous business. Sadly, there wasn't much in the way of Star Wars goodness to be found, but I did dip into my wallet on a couple of occasions. The first time I put down to early Christmas spirit, as I found the Holiday 3PO and the Holiday R2 bobbleheads, that have been around for ages but were greatly reduced here at £4.99. Our Christmas decorations are mostly traditional, but this festive pair of droids will add to the growing Star Wars presence in our Yuletide decor, and probably stand next to our Fabrice Yoda figure. The second time my wallet came out was to spend even less money on these cute little Star Wars faces pin badges, or buttons as you Americans like to call them. For a couple of quid we got four badges with the faces of 3PO, Chewie, R2 and Boba Fett on. These seem all the rage at the moment with the kids as there are always a couple of these badge vendors at every con we go to. It wasn't just Star Wars badges, they existed for loads of different franchises and we couldn't help but pick up some Marvel face pin badges for one of the hosts of the Marvelicious Toys podcast. Being held in the same month as the Avengers Blu-ray release, we expected there to be a lot of Marvel stuff on show. And we were right, and narrowly avoided purchasing some cute Avengers plushies and some tasty Avengers cupcakes. There was plenty of cosplay on display from the really good, like an excellent Boba Fett, to the hastily thrown together, like an Endor Princess Leia, complete with Ewok in tow. We moved on towards our one autograph target of the day. What do you know, it was a Tidarian. It was a pleasure to meet Andy Seacombe, son of famous Welsh entertainer Sir Harry Seacombe, and voice behind everyone's favourite shady junkyard dealer, Watto. Andy was a lovely fellow, and as I try and do with all voiceover artists, I got him to do a bit of Watto for me, and it sent a shiver down my spine. His 10x8 makes a welcome addition to my collection. A week later on Sunday the 30th of September, we travelled out again, this time a little nearer to home, to the Reebok Stadium in Bolton for the Barry Potter Toy Fair. I've reported from these fairs numerous times before, and they're very hit and miss in terms of what you find. A lot of the 200 or so vendors are peddling toy cars, toy trains, and dolls, and only about a tenth of the stalls, if that, have Star Wars stuff, a lot of which is easily found in poor condition or overpriced. This time the hour we spent pushing our way through the crowds was time well spent, as we found three notable items that I'd like to share with you. Firstly, I picked up two Ultimate Galactic Hunt stickered Saga collection figures on card, in plastic cases, for £6 each. I have a number of these still on card and displayed on my collection room wall in their cases, but didn't have the Forest Moon Princess or Iggy 88, and snapped them both up. I think the soft goods figures in this line are amazing. The card backs are sharp, and the slim plastic cases make them great for wall display. Secondly, I picked up a well-used R5-D4 toy. Standing at 6 inches tall, this dirty droid is a late 90s release, I think. And the one I bought for a tenner might be missing an antenna, but his sandy paint job is charming, and his retractable third leg is a great feature. Ever since Star Wars Celebration 6 and meeting a guy with an awesome R5-D4 tattoo and managing to pick up the cute R5-D4 star top, I think I'm getting a crush on this little astromech and he now stands proudly on the work desk in my collection room. Thirdly and most interestingly, I picked up what I can only consider my first bootleg figure. I spotted it walking past a stall. Out of the corner of my eye I saw an Episode 1 Senator Palpatine figure and thought, hello, that doesn't look quite right and on closer inspection it most certainly wasn't the real deal. At first I thought someone had just re-glued a palpy figure on a dodgy card, but that wasn't the case either. This was clearly a different figure. The original figure came with a Senate cam on a clear stand. This had the Senate cam and stand, but it was all a garish yellow, and it was on the figure's left-hand side instead of its usual position on the right. 
It had a space for a contact chip, but this was missing. The figure was dressed similarly, but the clothing didn't have the same detail, and the figure itself looked a bit chunkier, you know, as if old Palpy had been down the gym or on the steroids. Flipping the card over, it became clear that the card itself was smaller than it should be, and was clearly a copy. A decentish copy, but the printing was fuzzy in places. Up in the right-hand corner of the card back, there was a sticker, explaining that the figure was a Hong Kong issue, an unofficial Hong Kong release that I was completely unaware of. The sticker asked for £1.99, but the vendor let me have him for a pound, which is dirt cheap for such a curious little item. The guy couldn't tell me anything about the figure, and a little research hasn't dug anything up about it either. I'm in love with my knockoff Palpy. He's a terrible likeness, but he's delightful. His eyebrows are bushy and lopsided, giving him a comical appearance, and his paint job is patchy to the extreme, but his awfulness makes him adorable. If anyone out there can let me know anything more about Hong Kong issues, then I'd like to know more. I'd love to find out if there are more of these out there, as I can sense a new avenue to my collection starting if there are. Our last adventure of recent times was on the morning of the 13th of October, when the lovely Suzanne and I took a trip into the centre of Manchester, and stopped off at Forbidden Planet. I was desperate to buy some new figures, and our luck was in, as I was able to scoop up three. First of all, I picked up the new Oddball figure, a big improvement on 2005's Revenge of the Sith clone pilot. Whenever I see Oddball, I think of Swan staff member Jen from Republic Forces Radio Network. And I hope she has this figure, because even though it's not the most exciting figure in the galaxy, when it's your character, it's important Hasbro does it well. The chief improvement on this figure from the older version is the head sculpt, which now actually looks like Tem Morrison, and the helmet, which no longer has a distracting orange visor. The second figure I picked up was the Clone Trooper Lieutenant from Attack of the Clones. This is a repaint of an older figure, but it's done well, and particularly impressive are his pair of guns, which both have shiny silver bits on. His light blue striped armour will add another colour to my rainbow of clone troopers. The third and final figure of my haul was my favourite, heroic Darth Vader in his final moments from Return of the Jedi. I've always loved the Emperor's Wrath Vader from the Power of the Jedi line. Its electroshock head and hands were cool for the time, but this figure knocks it out of the park. He comes with soft goods tunic and cloaks, and his paintwork is immaculate, but the star attractions are his removable right hand revealing a shiny silver painted stump and a new translucent helmet with a great skull underneath. The electroshock effects are okay on their own, but would look great if you put this figure in a diorama. On the very same day I bought this figure, fellow UK Swan listener, Phil tweeted that he'd also bought the figure. If you haven't yet, I strongly recommend it. It's fab. Right, that's me spent. I'll try not to leave it so long next time. Here's handing you back to your hosts, Marjorie and Arnie. Thank you, Steve. A few weeks ago, we had Nathan P. Butler on the show talking about the X-Wing minis, and now we've got... Darth Cheddar, Mark, who's going to talk about the gameplay involved with the X-Wing minis. Hey, Arnie and Marjorie and fellow Swanlings. This is Mark, known as Darth Cheddar on the forums. I want to share a little bit with you about the new X-Wing game that just recently came out from Fantasy Flight Games. First of all, I've got to say, this is by far so much better than the Wizards of the Coast version that came out years ago. If you remember that version, you basically set up across the map from each other and fired away. This one, 
feels like a space battle. It actually feels like a dogfight. And not to mention, the models are 100, oh, let's go a thousand times better than the Wizards of the Coast versions. These models are superior. The detailing on them are great. The wings don't bend. There's no <laughs> melting TIE fighter. They are beautiful. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the gameplay. The game is broken down into four phases. The first phase is the planning stage. And in this stage, first off, this has got to be my favorite dynamic of this entire game so far. You are given dials for each ship, and in secret, you plan the maneuver that each ship is going to do. And then you set that dial upside down so no one can see it right next to the ship. And each dial is unique to the ship style. So X-Wings all have the same maneuvers. TIE Fighters have their own unique maneuvers. There are people that are a little upset. They think like Luke Skywalker's ship should have some different maneuvers. But really, when it comes down to it, I agree. They're all the same style of ship. The pilot might be able to do more with the ship, but the ship itself should be able to do basically the same thing with every pilot on board. But I really like that one. You have to start to guess as to where you think the enemy is going to go. You really have to plan out, okay, am I going to run into other ships, or am I going to even have them in my fire arc? Uh, I really like this part of the game. This is my favorite part. The second phase is the activation phase, and in here you reveal your dial and then actually execute the maneuvers. And these are done according to the pilot ability. Each pilot has a different ability, and you go from the lowest ability to the highest ability. So your rookies are the ones that are moving first. You also get to assign some actions. There are different actions in the game that increase your chance to either hit the target or give yourself a little extra defensive help if you're trying to evade being shot at. There are some add-ons that you could use to maybe repair your shields or repair some damage to your ship. So you do that during this phase. The third phase is the combat phase, and this is where you roll the dice to see if you hit the ships. And you actually work in reverse order. The highest ranking pilot, as far as abilities, gets to go first. So Darth Vader is the best Imperial pilot. He's always firing first. Wedge Antilles happens to be the best Rebel pilot. He would be firing first for the Rebels. And you work your way down. The lower the ranking, the less chance you may have to actually get a shot off. They do have unique dice for this game. You're using dice that have symbols on them to represent hits and evades and damage. And that's kind of nice for those of you that don't like to do the math. You know, you just have to roll so many dice. Usually it's two or three dice for the attacks. There are some ways to get bonuses to actually get up to four attacks, uh, possibly even up to five, I think, as more ships come out. Then we go on to the end phase, and this is where you end up basically resetting the board. Uh, you clear off any tokens that weren't used. There are some abilities that might take place at the end of the phase, and it's just symbolizing moving on to the next planning phase. So that's the basics of the game real quick for you. My second favorite dynamic in this game is how you deal damage. And you actually use a deck of cards. And when you're attacking the ships, you can get two types of damage. You have your normal hull damage, or you could have critical damage. Now, the way it works is if I roll three attack dice, and I roll two hits, the ship I'm shooting at, maybe they have two agility dice, which is the defense dice, and they only roll one evade. 
that means I've damaged them one time. So if you roll a regular damage symbol, you would simply put a card next to their ship, and each ship has its own card. So you'd put it off to the side next to the card itself, and it just shows damage. If I roll critical damage, you actually flip that card over, and there's text there that actually tells you what has happened. And I love this part because this can really change the game quite a bit. It can symbolize cockpit damage. I lost a Y-Wing recently because my console was on fire and I couldn't get the fire put out. Uh, your pilots might be blinded, things like that, so it really can change the dynamic. As far as the game is concerned, I really am liking this one. And I have bought into it, and I've been teaching other people around the area how to play, and, and they're liking it as well. It's, I'd like to talk about some of the pros of this game. Uh, first off, it's very easy to learn, but there is enough complexity to it to actually keep it interesting. Many people are saying it's similar to another fantasy flight game called Wings of War. Now, I've never played that one, but I did teach somebody else who has played it, and they agreed it is very similar, but they like this because this is a little bit more complex. So that's good to know. There's, it, it keeps the interest level up there. As I mentioned before, the models are just absolutely fabulous. They are to scale with each other, and that's just great. And I can't wait because the Millennium Falcon and Slave One are slated to be released sometime in December. And I've seen them at Celebration, and they are phenomenal. And supposedly in scale or awfully darn close to in scale with the X-Wings and TIE Fighters. They are just great. Can't wait to play them. And from a collecting standpoint, these are actually pretty easy to collect. I did the math, and for about $100, you can get the starter and one of each expansion ship. And really, that is enough to play with right there. Now, if you're like me, I bought a second starter because I wanted more tokens and more dice, and it actually was about $5 cheaper to get a few extra ships. And I bought an extra Y-Wing and an extra TIE Advance, but I wanted to have enough variety in there. But yeah, if you're looking just to get in initially $100, you get enough, and you can actually build enough out of there. It's not a collectible game, so when you buy the X-Wing, you know that you're going to get Wedge in that pack, and you're going to get a few other pilots and a few icons and some upgrades and things like that. When you buy the TIE Advanced, you know you're going to get Darth Vader. The starter set always has Luke. So there's no guesswork involved there. Moving on to the negatives of the game, though, the price of the ships has been turning people off. It is $15 for the expansions, but from a gaming standpoint, you are getting your money's worth. Like I mentioned, the, first of all, the models are fabulous, but then you also get plenty of pilot cards and extra tokens to go with the game. And, you know, again, from a gaming standpoint, you are getting easily $15 worth of stuff in each expansion. Some people are complaining about the ships, and I will agree to one thing. They are so well done, and I mentioned how they're not melting like they used to with wizards. They're very firm ships, which makes them a little bit fragile. I have been worried about my X-Wings, that I'm going to snap off the S-foils a little bit, so I have to be very careful with that. They also have pegs that they go on to make them look like they're floating above the board, and those I've been reading, people are snapping those off pretty easily. So you do have to be careful there, but I think if you are conscientious, you should be safe there. Probably the biggest negative I'm seeing with this game right now, though, is because the ships are not blind packaged, there's no motivation to buy more. You know, like I said, I bought everything I think I need. I may still pick up another X-Wing just because I like to have a lot of X-Wings. But because they don't have any rarities, 
or blind packaging. Most people are going out and buying what they want right off the bat and then sitting back and playing the game. I actually talked with some people at my local gaming store and they said that's exactly what's happening here in town. For example, myself, I rushed out when it came out, picked up everything I wanted, and that's what they're seeing from most people. I like the fact that you can buy in and get what you need right away. But I, being a minis player, I am actually missing the blind packaging a little bit because that's what kept me coming back for more. My fear is that if they don't sell well enough, I don't know how many future waves we'll actually get to see. They've already got Wave 2 planned, which I mentioned has Millennium Falcon and Slave 1, but they also have an A-Wing and a TIE Interceptor. I don't know what we'll see beyond that, and I'm hoping that if it does well enough, that they will continue to produce more waves, because there's plenty of ships out there that we can get into. So I've taken enough of your time talking about this game. If you're interested, I encourage you to take a look at the Fantasy Flight Games website. They actually have some video tutorials on there that'll do a nice job of explaining some of what I've already talked about. Also, I do host a podcast known as Star Wars Miniverse, and we have started to add a segment dedicated to X-Wing. And if you want to come out and take a listen to our show, episode 60, we're talking about the basic build rules and how to make your squadron. So come on over, give us a listen as well. We can be found at swminiverse.com. Well, I thank you for your time. Thanks, Arnie and Marjorie, for letting me be on. And until next time, may all your rolls be 20s. Thank you, Mark. And remember, first of all, that game is on sale this week at Target. If Mark's review makes you decide you want it, save $10 and head to Target. And also, you can hear Mark over at the Star Wars Miniverse. We'll link to it from our homepage at SWActionNews.com. And speaking of Star Wars games, there was a new one out this week, a new video game. I would not call this a video game. Why not? Because it's not a video game. It is. There, it is definitely a video game. It's a mini game. It's one of those quick little phone games. But Angry Birds is a phenomenon for mobile gaming. I know I have spent many a meeting, usually conference calls, but sometimes in person, playing Angry Birds during the meeting at work. In fact, I was introduced to it by my then-manager, who then proceeded to play it with me throughout an entire meeting and explain to me the different physics engines involved. I had an Angry Birds addiction. I played Angry Birds Rio, even though I had no interest in that movie. I played Angry Birds Seasons through several different seasons. Then I kind of got bored of Angry Birds. I never played Angry Birds Space. It's the one I didn't purchase. But Star Wars Angry Birds, you had me at Star Wars. And it was only 99 cents. I mean, come on. 99 cents. Absolutely. That's 99 pennies too many. I disagree, because this is one hell of a fun game. Have you played it? I have not. Okay, then. I, I'm, on, I'm boycotting it, because I just don't like the mashup. I, I'm over mashups about two years ago, as everyone else should be as well. And I refuse to purchase any mashup items. Well, I've already purchased it on our account, so now you don't have to. It's free for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really didn't think I'd like it, and there's a couple reasons for it. The first is, once I saw the adult Angry Bird costumes, I did think that perhaps the synergy, I'll refrain from using mashup, the synergy between the two products had gone too far. But second of all, I didn't buy Angry Birds Space, and I haven't continued the newest seasons of Angry Birds because I was way over Angry Birds. I mean... How many times do I need to pull my finger back and watch a bird fling at some pigs? It's fun and all, but it does 
eventually lose its luster. But I don't know if these were added in Angry Birds Space or if they're brand new to Angry Birds Star Wars, but they have revamped the gameplay in such a way. I believe a lot of this has to come out of Angry Birds Space because you're dealing in zero-gravity situations where you then get in the orbit of planets and your bird spins around the planet going after its targets. But also they've made the powers very specific for Star Wars. Like in the Angry Birds I played, there's the bird that you fly over and it lays an egg. And the egg is basically a bomb being dropped. Well, in this case, it's C-3PO. And C-3PO falls apart and hits things. Or in Angry Birds, you'd have the bird that you could tap and it would go faster and really plummet through some bricks. Here, Obi-Wan, you fly him, and you can push your finger in a direction, and he does a force push. And so you can fly over things, but force push behind you to hit bricks and hit pigs. Han Solo shoots first. You can pick a target, and he can shoot at a distance. The pigs also have laser guns that they're shooting at you, so you have to time your flight. There's turbo lasers firing. In the end, I play... Virtually every Star Wars game, I still need to pick up the Kinect. But what makes a game solid isn't if it has Star Wars on the label, it's if it's fun. And by adding these new gameplay dynamics and adding a new element to the Angry Birds play, it has extended the life and become, once again, an addictive battery sucker for my iPhone. I'm having a lot of fun with this game, regardless of Star Wars' involvement. And even you have to admit... The Greedo Pig, the Death Star Pig, some of them are very cute. Well, the Greedo Pig fits, but the rest of them, eh. And here's the thing. This probably would have been okay had it not been accompanied right away by an onslaught of toys, Halloween costumes, shirts. If they'd have just done the game first and then like six months later, if it was popular, made stuff. But I didn't need it all right away. No, it's... Obviously a holiday sale item they're trying to get out. Still, the only thing I've seen in stores is the early bird kit, which I couldn't even buy because I had pre-ordered from Hasbro Toy Shop and they still haven't shipped. But I think that sometimes you have to judge beyond the hype and beyond the backlash and everything else. Is this 99 cent app a fun game for 99 cents? The answer is yes. If you're on Android, I think you can even get it free in an ad-supported version. I would happily pay a dollar to never have to see an advertisement again in a game. Liking this game does not make me want to go out and buy more of the Hasbro plushie birds. I hope not. And I did see some backlash online also. Probably it's rooted in the toys that you're talking about, Marjorie, and people feeling like you do about it, because it's a very polarizing property. It is, absolutely. But there was some backlash online because apparently they misspelled Wookiee, and that of course, caused a lot of righteous indignation from people who already wanted to hate the game in the first place, like my wife. Here's the thing. I didn't initially react to that. I asked you if it was actually in the game. And I cannot find out. I've been playing for hours and hours. I still haven't gotten there. I just now got to the Death Star levels. And there are things that happen that give you messages, and I bet that's one of them. Like, if I use the force to push a beam in front of a stormtrooper so the laser ricochets back at the stormtrooper that he fired and it kills him, then I get a message. Something like that. These weird one-off situations. But if any listener has had this Wookiee thing with the misspelling come up, let me know because I've only seen one screenshot. I've seen it a million times. And there's some Photoshop masters out there. Yeah. 
I've seen the same screenshot with the same exact birds in the same exact place. I would think if this was real, this would be everywhere. There would be all these different permutations of it with the different bricks and things. It wouldn't just be one screenshot to rule them all. So I, I do the conspiracy theorist in me, much like the episode three rumors. This one, I believe it's true. I can't imagine somebody would make it up, but I just would think if it's a common occurrence, A, they would have issued a patch already, and I've been sure not to download any patches for that very reason, and there haven't even been any patches, and B, there'd be more than just the one screenshot. But let us know what you think about Angry Birds Star Wars The Game. We've already talked endlessly about the property. Come to our forums at SWActionNews.com or come to our Facebook page and Twitter. Tell us if you bought the game, and if so, if you felt you got your dollar's worth. As collectors who pay $13 a figure and like it, I can't imagine that a dollar's worth is that much in the first place. We're going to go see Skyfall later on today for my review over at Now Playing. We're paying a lot more than a dollar per hour for enjoyment of that movie. I hope to enjoy the movie. And I've gotten a good two or three hours of enjoyment out of Angry Birds Star Wars for that buck. And also, if you enjoy the show, head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Your reviews really help other listeners to find us, and in addition to just clicking the stars, if you could just write a couple sentences about the show, it would be greatly appreciated. And if you want to hear more about me talking toys, Marjorie didn't join me yet over there. There's rumors she may appear sometime, but I was asked (laughs) to Action Figure Blues podcast, which you can find at actionfigureblues.com, to discuss my toy buying and collecting regrets. And as you might imagine... A story about some boys' underwear came up. So thanks to those guys. They have a really great podcast talking about a lot of different toys. Not so much Star Wars, but a lot of other properties. You can check them out at actionfigureblues.com. That's our show for this week. Now, our schedule is changing as it always does for the holidays. We will not be back next Monday. Oh, no. We will be back next Thursday while you're watching the foosball on television. We're not watching the foosball. Mama told me not to watch football. We'll be back with our annual Black Friday shopping guide. Or We're going to have to get it out early Thursday because it's Thursday night now, shopping guide, as well as our holiday gift guide for Star Wars collectors. If you have suggestions for that, drop us an email at show at SWActionNews.com and maybe you'll hear it on the air. So we'll be back next Thursday on Thanksgiving here in the States. See you around Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. You can find even more Star Wars coverage at our sister podcast, Republic Forces Radio Network, where we review each episode of the Clone Wars cartoon series. You can find that show at republicforces.com. If you're into Star Wars novels, check out the Star Wars Action News Book Club, where we read and review all the Star Wars novels. That podcast is at swactionnews.com. We want your feedback and suggestions for Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can be on Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted become the property of Star Wars Action News and are subject to use on our show. 
You can help support Star Wars Action News by using the affiliate links on our homepage when shopping online. We would also appreciate it if you spread the word about Star Wars Action News by posting about us on Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, or just tell a friend about the show. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can also cast a vote for us each month at Podcast Alley. Links to both can be found on our homepage at SWActionNews.com. For more Star Wars collecting, please visit YakFace.com and JediTempleArchives.com, and we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. The Star Wars Action News team is website designed by Jason, associate produced and announcements by Brock, reporters Jerry, Dan, Steve, and Justin, graphic design by Chris, and podcast enhancement by Barrett. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademarked and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, all rights reserved. Until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012, all rights reserved. By Foch. Foch? Picked up by Foch? Easy. And oh boy, it was torture being in that store. There was a parent there, and I don't know if she was actually deaf or just numb to her children after so many years, but her son was screaming. I can only think his father was indeed a banshee. (laughs) And the daughter was in the cart with this little computer thing. And it said, press a game icon, press a game icon, press a game icon, press a game icon. I'm like, I will give you $5 if you press the damn icon. You okay there? Oh, God, it was like torture. (laughs) 